0: There's some slides going on at the beginning of the worship service. I just wanted to remind you as well that uh, there's a sports camp. There's flyers there for, um, you know, for your kids available, and it's free. So look at the back table for, um, I think it's, uh, it's been in the slides going forward. There's also a council meeting October 7th at 7 a.m. here at the church in the Sunday school room. Also, if you've been uh, new with us or you have slowed down or missed on going through the Bible with us, please go to the back wall and you'll find there a Bible reading plan. And if you've fallen behind or forgotten to do it, uh, please don't try to catch up. Start with where we are for uh, our Wednesday night fellowship time, our Sunday school, and most of our worship uh, preaching on Sunday mornings will be from the previous week's reading, except for the first week, first Sunday of every month when we'll have communion, and we will going, we'll be going through some spiritual formation disciplines. Uh, right now, let's quiet our hearts as we come in prayer before the Lord and open the Word of God. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. For your house of prayer. For a place of celebration, refuge. For this joyous and blessed time in our week to gather together, to assemble with other brothers and sisters. To be replenished by your spirit. To be equipped for our lives that are living for you. To be used by you. To be spent for your kingdom. Lord, as we look at that, we ask forgiveness if we have strayed and gone in our own way. If our way leads to be selfish or leads towards pleasure or leads towards worries of not having enough and putting other things before you, Lord, we once again come and lay them on the altar before you. And we ask, Lord, for the mind of Christ. We ask, Lord, for the things of the kingdom to be dear to us. Lord, if we omitted doing things, please forgive us. We thank you, Lord, for the assurance of forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. We continue to lift up to you, Lord, our worship our praise in form of giving as we give back a portion of that which you've blessed us with we ask lord that you bless it for the ministry and the expansion of your kingdom here locally in this state and far off from where we are we continue to pray lord for the state of alaska for the cities for the people who live here. And we ask, Lord, that you make us a pillar of your temple, a pillar of your truth, and a voice of one crying to a fallen and wicked generation. Equip us, Lord, to be able to deal with such world, protect our families, and bring that reality not only personally in our our lives, but in our own families and in our life here a church. Lord, as we approach your word, may your spirit quiet our hearts. May your spirit open our eyes. May your spirit gaze into this word to bring life to us. And we thank you that you are with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time we will be looking over Samuel 16, uh, which we read over this week. If you could please stand with me to read a few verses uh, for our scripture reading. And Samuel said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, consecrate yourselves with me. To the, to the sac, come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, "Surely the Lord's anointed is before me." But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart." And he said, "'There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep.' And Samuel said to Jesse, "'Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here.' And he sent him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, "'Arise, anoint him, for this is he.' Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers.' And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You may be seated. As we've been going through God's Word and reading God's Word, we have come to a place now in our Scriptures where a a tide of events is turning. We are caught in the midst of a tale of two kings. There's a tale of two kings that we are dealing with. One is King Saul, the other is the future king, David. If we were to say from our Bible knowledge, who is King Saul representing? Man's choice. Who is David representing? God's choice. Why does Scripture put those to show us they oppose each other? How many of you understand peer pressure? How many of you understand pleasing people? How many of you understand pleasing God? Which is easier? Pleasing people or pleasing God? Which is easier? Seriously, which is easier? Some people are people pleasers of nature. Why is it easier to please the people than God? Because you can be yourself to please people, you cannot be yourself to please God. You will fail if you are yourself to please God. Ultimately, it is not by strength nor by might, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. Okay, let's look at this journey and we'll begin with verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? God rejected Saul. What is Samuel doing? (coughs) He's grieving. Saul didn't listen a couple of times to the command of the Lord. He didn't listen to Samuel. Lied Samuel. Manipulate. Tried to manipulate Samuel. Tried to... uh, uh, compromise Samuel, there's people like that. You don't have to look very far from just around you. That through their flesh the enemy will use. And therefore Samuel, this guy who's very intimate with the Lord, who he feels what the Lord feels. As the people respond, he feels what the Lord feels. They're so intimate with God. He is compromised by the sheep. So he's grieving. Not a a good job to have. Not a good place to be. But the Lord says, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Phil, what is a good place to start if you are grieving? If you have a place in your soul that's hurting? Let's see what the Lord says. Because Samuel... Feels what God does, Samuel says, don't don't be upset. They have not rejected you, but they have rejected me as king. You see that intimacy between them, it's very close. Don't think that God does not care about Samuel and what he's going through. So he's helping Samuel out. And it's not the way we humans try to do it. Uh, Hey, you know, everything's okay, let me pat you on the shoulder. That's not how the Lord does things. The Lord has a more efficient and lasting way to deal with our temporary confusion of problems. He says, fill your horn with oil. When you are stuck in a situation, the answer is in action. Action within what? Within God's plan, now within your own condition. Remember, you cannot please God if you are in self. You will fail. If you are focused too much on yourself and on your condition and you dwell upon it too much, it will be problematic. So the Lord says, fill your horn with oil. What does that mean? I am doing something and you need to be part of it. I got to ask you, when's the last time you have been part of something that the Lord was doing? And you took that beauty of literally being involved in something that God was doing. Now, we can make church like conditions of religious events and tasks that we do. And you have maybe heard because you're partaking, oh, you know, I've done my reading, I've done this. But it's different than when you truly do it, whether than saying, oh, I got to do my reading of the Bible. And you say, I need to spend this intimate time just to see and to hear what the Lord is speaking to me right now. No, I'm not going to serve the VBS or go somewhere else to serve, but I'm waiting for the Spirit to say to me, what is my involvement and my action in what He wants me to do? And this is one way that we see the Lord shift Samuel from his, uh, you know... uh, Uh, position of needing counseling. The great counselor now, he tells him, fill your horn with oil and go. The coming of oil is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It is anointing something new. It is a breakthrough. And usually it comes with a celebration. When you're grieving, you're not too happy to go in that direction. Nonetheless, the Lord says, regardless of your condition, Nothing can break away the glory or the strength of God that we saw in the previous chapter. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Saul is grieving. uh, Samuel is grieving because Saul is a failure. He has failed, being tested by God, and he has been rejected. And Samuel loved Saul. He he has a hard time dealing with. And Saul knows how to manipulate Samuel to keep him hooked, to struggle and to be damaged by Saul himself. But now we have the clear answer. The elders, they all came, the entire Israel, we want a king. Here the Lord says, But I have provided for myself. I have provided for myself. What is the Lord doing? How can you have two kings at the same time? How can you have this situation? What is the Lord creating in the church? A way of blessing. A way of escape. A way out. Because man's way is the best way to trap yourself. It's the best way to trap yourself. To tell yourself lies. To to speak your own deranged reality. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to make you see it. So rejoice in my plan. I'm going to make you see it. Get out of your depression and grief. Now here, I have to not agree with the translator. It says I have provided, but the word that they, it's being used in Hebrew is raach. Raach simply means to see. This is the most important word in this chapter. So we're going to look at it very carefully. The Lord says, I have seen for myself a king. Now you say, well, when you see it that way, how does God see? Does God see the way we do? Do you see into tomorrow? Do you see into next week, into next year? I wonder if God's eyes can see through tomorrow and next week and next year. And you can say, well, I wonder if he's talking about Jesus. And you shouldn't be wondering too well because he can see all the way from David all the way through when Jesus comes. You know, he can see that way. But I don't, you know, uh, Samuel cannot see that. But the Lord can see. It's a very important word when he says, I see for myself. When God looks, everything else is noise, but he sees in his sovereignty what is the solution and what he can do. Interesting, he says, I have seen for myself a king among his sons. Do you think Samuel understood what he was really saying? First Peter tells us that the prophets wish to know. They knew they were speaking about someone else, but they wished to know. Things into which even the angels long to look into. When God sees, it's even beyond what? The angelic. Even Satan couldn't know about Jesus. But it's not that they didn't want to know. Mm. What a wonderful plan. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. What is Samuel saying? I want to obey, but, you know, I don't know if this is worth me dying for. You know, uh, have you known people who think that way? Yeah, I want to obey, but I don't get fancy getting killed. Samuel is saying, Saul is wicked. Wicked. And has no fear of the Lord. God what does God say? I agree with you. God does what? Sees. I agree with you. I agree with you. Let's go back. Who is Swee Saul? People's choice. What is the direction of people's choice? Opposition to God. Fulfillment of wickedness. This is the reality. Please know this reality because the Holy Spirit is still at work. Let's see if someone else could see this. And he says, And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. So God is saying, I will be there with power, and I will be communicating with you. But once again, wouldn't it have been my easier to say, there's a guy named, there's, a, there's a guy there called David, so you just go and anoint him. That one line would have solved the issue. But because God is intimate with Samuel, He's trying to help him see. He says, go Phil. I have you part of my plan. I want you to be part of my vision. Hey, you know what? In a spirit-filled church, now people get out and start prophesying about what they see. What are you seeing in the kingdom? Where are you going? The, where's the world? Where's the Lord coming? What's happening? We ought to proclaim that. The Lord is not telling him to disrespect Saul. He's just saying you conceal that because I'm giving you this instruction and he supersedes the authority of Saul. So use the sacrifice now this is now legal and it's correct because we don't have a centralized place so there were shrines everywhere and this was common practice to go and to do this uh, sacrificial system all over Israel so Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem so this is what someone say well maybe this is what reluctant obedience Nonetheless, reluctant obedience is better than unobedience or partial obedience, as we have seen. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come in peace? I told you, remember this. You can see the wickedness. Who are coming to meet? To, who's coming to meet the God's voice? The same elders who said, we need a king. They realized that they were wrong. That their plan was used for wickedness. That they were sinners. That they were confused and fooled. So look at them. He says, because this is normal. You know, he used to go around. And, 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 and present sacrifices and, and, and feasts and, and judge and so forth. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you, do you come peaceably? We know we have stood against God. We deserve something bad. Well. I got good news for you. That's why we have grace. That's why many times we don't get what we deserve. Please, try to take out of your vocabulary, I deserve this. It is not coming from the right location within your soul. You ought to know what you deserve. Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice. What could the judge do? Judge! Do you know what priests could do to people? Pull their hair, kick them, punch them, You know that God never complained that they used to do that to people? Pastors be in jail when people mess up if they practice that type of discipline. A pastor can even say this with words. There's going to be a line do, during, the, during the week of uh, the office say, You know, Pastor, you said something that offended me this week in your sermon. Pulled hair. They they used to pull their hair. And you say, oh, these are God's workers, God's people? We're going to see this publicly done. Not too long from now. By whom? Hosea and Nehemiah? Yeah. They're going to do this. Publicly. Kick them, pull their hair, punch them publicly. As they're trying to rebuild what? The wall on God's temple. Nonetheless, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come with me to the sacrifice. Consecrate. What is he saying? I have come peaceably. But we're going before the Lord, shifting their focus as well, saying, I know you think you've done bad things and you have, but I'm going to bring you before the Lord. Now you can say, well, that's a problem, but he says, consecrate yourself, giving them time to purify and to deal with the struggle there is in their own soul. And come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And he's doing exactly what the Lord told them to do and how to do it. Please know the Lord did not tell them to consecrate them. But Samuel wanted to make sure nothing bad would happen. So he consecrated them. When they came. He looked on Eliab. here it says raah, the same word as provided earlier. He looked on Eliab and thought, "Surely the Lord's anointed is before him." Saul, no Saul, Samuel and God are very into time. They are very close when it comes to their heart. But Samuel still cannot see. So God is opening up a new level of intimacy and trying to teach him about that reality. Why is Samuel deceived? How did he see Saul the first time? He was the most handsome and tallest man in all of Israel. It was very easy to be deceived. It was very easy for everyone in Israel to like Saul. Look at what a handsome king we have. Now you would think just by pure wisdom, Samuel would have heard his lesson after all the pain it has caused him. What is God telling us? It is because of your heart and your flesh that it's hard for you to learn this lesson. So Samuel's kind of fooled again. Surely, not only says, I think this is one. He's pretty convinced, surely, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to to Samuel, do not look on his appearance. Interestingly enough, now the Lord uses a different word in Hebrew. It is not ra'ah, it is navat. To look as though you scan someone, to say, oh, you know, he's kind of skinny, she's kind of fat, you know, she's good looking, she's ugly. You know, the way we scan people, this is the type of word the Lord is using to us. He says, you navat on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord seeks, it's not seeks, it's again, ra'ah. You see, provided, seeks, looked, See, it's the same word used in Hebrew. Raah, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man, raah on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I have to say this uh, this uh, this word here. It says that the Lord rejected him. The Lord rejected him means to refuse, disdain, despise, reject. Please note. This is not Calvinism. This is a rejection towards an office. Many false teachers will provide this to deal with salvation. When is this happening? The sacrificial system, the sacrifices for everyone who's present and is consecrated. There's joy and beauty and peace because of that. So people have no right to get offended that they are rejected. People have no right to get offended that they are rejected. This is not dealing with salvation in which case very few of the commentators go and begin to say, and I hate to say one of them is actually a pastor that I heard from some of you that, that, that you guys like very much. And he's fallen into that direction. I won't say his name because we put this on YouTube and I'm not here to give bad names to other good pastors. But he's a famous one. And I think he's got his exegesis wrong. But it happens when you read a lot of commentaries, they kind of say the th- same thing that you think is right when we need to put that aside and take God's word for what it stands on its own. Then Jesse called Adinabab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shama pass by and said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Now who is Israel? The chosen people. But they are not chosen to be in an office. Let's look a little further. And Samuel said to Jesse, "Are all your sons here?" And he said, "There yet remains the youngest, and behold, he is keeping the sheep." And Samuel said to Jesse, "Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here." What's the problem with this request? There should be major problem on red flags. What's the problem? He's unclean. How can he come to the sacrifice and to this event? He's unclean. What supersedes the care that Samuel took? The voice of God. God said. Interestingly enough, I know I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theory. What's number seven known for? Number of? Perfection, completion. What's number eight usually in the Bible for? A new beginning. Interestingly enough, David just happened to be the eighth son. There's going to be a new beginning for the kings, for the line. We will not sit down. They can't feast. They have the roasted meat, everything ready to feast and to have fun. The party won't start because God's word has to be fulfilled and nothing will come in the way. Man, but I didn't eat all day and that, you know, that heifer smells pretty good. Some of you may be thinking about lunch right now. Rebuy steak. It's going to get cold. It's not going to taste as good. We will not sit down till he comes. What is he telling them? Respect. You have to be in waiting because the Lord is doing something. What is he saying? When the Lord does something, all of you have to be involved. Whether you like it or not. Because you know, God did not ask for the opinion of the people. Is this comfortable to you? How, what is your level of hunger? What, what, did you work? I didn't sleep last night. You know what? God forgot to take a survey. God forgot to ask for people's voice. But we're pretty good at doing it in the church today. And he sent and brought him in. Again, the question is, where's the consecration? Did I actually wait for him to watch and to do this? Now he was ready... Now, Roddy, we understand as being frecklish, kind of red hair, but some scholars believe that it's more with the skin complexion of being red. You know, it's a sign of high blood pressure for most people. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, and he says he had beautiful eyes, and, uh, you know, reddish, beautiful eyes. That's a hint to us why the eyes are beautiful. Eyes can be beautiful, but is there a link to what the eyes represent to us? Yes. The light of the the channel represents the entrance to the soul. And was handsome, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now, check this out to see why the exegesis of some of the is wrong. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. How do you like to be brought in front of the elders, the family and the people, and to be declared rejected and still be joyful with your youngest brother? Because it did not have to do the way some people who put the lens of theology of Calvinism tend to read into the scriptures. So you have to be careful. You have to be very careful. It was a joyous event. It wasn't because God declared them that they weren't saved. That they were rejected. That they were reprobate. No. They rejoiced with Samuel and Jesse and the entire family. And anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now we know that the Spirit was with David. David gives us, I was killing bears and lions and singing to the Lord in the wilderness. That was the Spirit where? In. Now we speak a clothing of power upon David. The two works of the Spirit. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. What was the feast? The outpouring of the Spirit, which. Samuel saw, but did he see that with Saul? Twice. With the prophetic. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. How can the Spirit of the Lord depart from Saul? When Moses complained, he says, okay, bring some of the elders. I'll take some of your anointing and put it over them. That anointing over the king Saul now was lifted to be removed and to be placed on David. Was God gonna mix his plan and do two things at once? No, that is our thinking and our way of confusing ourselves. There's only one way with God. Aren't you blessed that our God is a black, a black and white God? There's no shades of gray. There's nothing in between. There's a yes and a no. There's not a maybe. There's not an I don't know. There's not something that escapes. And there is nothing that he does not see. The problem is when the Lord takes his anointing, He also sent a harmful spirit from the Lord, tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Not only did that happen, but the people did what? Testified. The very people who did what? Screamed for our king to making a king and who loved them. They're saying, Oops, we voted for you, we liked you, we supported you, you slaved us, did whatever, you know. But now, God has done this. Do you know what's interesting? Even after the people recognize this, and this becomes public knowledge, and they testify, guess who they'll like? Do you think they'll like David or or Saul? After knowing this truth, they will still, most of them will support Saul. What does that tell you about humanity? Humanity. In the face of truth and something that God has done. Let our Lord now command... They even call him his their Lord. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. The glory of God cannot move forward. The providence of God even against the people they're working forth so the true king will now come in the picture. David is brought at the center of attention because of Saul's condition. And the people are used as an instrument They think they're serving Saul, but in fact, they're serving David without knowing. One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David your son who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, to his, David his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service and Saul loved him greatly and became his armor bearer. David did not know he was anointed as king you could be anointed for various reasons prophets were anointed you know they anointed the sick so it's not clear that it was public knowledge david was not even present but then you say well how many times does david get anointed So people will get confused. Three times. So David is anointed here by Samuel. It doesn't tell us that the purpose is disclosed. When is the first time disclosed? Later on, he is anointed as king over Judah. And the third time, he is anointed again over the northern tribes of Israel and combining the two. Now, do you think the story would have reached Saul if Samuel, in the presence of the elders and the people, would have said the purpose of why he's anointing David? Now, if David's your son and he's going to be the next king and the king's asking him to come forward and that was made public knowledge, you're saying, uh oh, oh, the king wants to kill my son. Do you think that's happened before in the history of the world? People try to kill each other to be kings or not? No, it's never happened. Unless you start reading history books. You see it happens all the time. Happens all the time. So that's why. Why wouldn't Saul disclose this? See, there's many people who assume things. Any of you assumed that this was public knowledge before when you read this? And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul. Where's the harmful spirit? Upon. Remember those propositions. Upon and in. Upon, on, or in. David took the lyre and played it with his hands. So Saul was refreshed. Uh, was well and the harmful spirit departed from him. It says that Saul loved David. Why was Saul love David? David will become the very picture of success of his failure right in front of his eyes. How do you like living with a person that will continually testify of success before you where you failed? Initially, you may love that. What happens with a human who lives that in a prolonged time? Will they continue to love and grow in that love towards them? What is the human response after a while? Jealousy. There's jealousy. And jealousy can lead into other places, Mr. Eddie Young. You're old enough to know that by now. All the way to the point of where he loved him, where he becomes like a madman to try to kill him. This is a person who loved someone and then will chase him to kill him constantly. This is an unstable man. Let's get back to peaceably. Who came to us peaceably? Jesus. Jesus, He did not come to condemn. We asked Him the same thing darkness. Does not love the light. And we try to sniff it out. But the Lord brought his own sacrifice with him. Samuel here gives us. In the agony. In the condition of our humanity's failure. Gives us an anti-type of Jesus Christ. Jesus says I have not come to condemn you, but I have come to bring you grace and truth, grace upon grace. Now, yes, it is true, there is a time when Jesus will come back to condemn and judge, but that wasn't the time when he first came. That will be the case when he comes the second time. Today, we are reminded of our humanity. We are reminded on how Jesus has approached you. Did Jesus come to proclaim himself as king? No. But Jesus came to provide a Sacrifice and escape a way out. God says, I have provided a king for myself. I have seen it. You know what? We are blessed because we have seen it. We have experienced it. We have knowledge for which the prophets were blind and the angels could no longer see it. His name is Jesus Christ. And he did not come to condemn you, but to say, join me that you may have a sacrifice. What is the result when you join Jesus at the sacrifice? You are into Christ And the Spirit will fall upon you. And those who are in Christ cannot be rejected. So you cannot separate being chosen, being predestined from in Christ. If you want homework on this, go home and read Ephesians chapter 1. And look how many times that is. And that is the most common part into which it comes. And you cannot divide the two or divorce the two. Today, we have gathered here together because we have one sacrifice in common. And we have come to have a feast in His presence and to be filled with the Holy Spirit for a life that we live in Christ on a daily basis. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for that which is physical in the Old Testament, making it to us visible in the spiritual sense through your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you are at the core Jesus, who explains through the Holy Spirit the word to us. For you are the revelation of God and the very living word of God. Lord, we have wronged, we have gone into our own way, but you did not come to condemn us but to present yourself as a sacrifice for us that we may receive your Spirit to be able to be victorious through you and because of your Spirit. So, Lord, today, let us once again deny self, repent, and let our heart be joined eternally with you as we receive your Holy Spirit until it brings us home into your presence and you say, well done, good and faithful servant, as we desire all to be men and women after your own heart. Thank you for seeing us through our Lord Jesus and not on what we deserve by ourselves. In Jesus' name we thank you, Father. Amen.